Good morning. Hello, everybody. Or good evening, maybe. I don't know. Depends where you are, if you are listening, where you are in the world. If you're listening, I say that because this is episode one of the Road Jogan Experience. Um, it's something that I wanted to do. I've, I've, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. Um, and the, a lot of inspiration comes from Joe Rogan because I like the, the talk. I like it's no, there's no structure as such. Uh, the talk can be about anything really that's going on in the world. There's a lot of stuff in there he likes to speak about with the UFC. Obviously, with him being a commentator in the UFC, I love UFC myself. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more probably into boxing than he would be. Um, so I'll, I'd like to talk about boxing. Uh, I often talk to uh, friends about boxing and we have some really in-depth conversations we get into a lot of stuff about you know uh, decisions that are being made at the minute where there seems to be some bad decisions in boxing and and fights upcoming fights what fights could be made because it's, it's just so good at the minute uh, i think this year has been a great year for boxing and next year will just get even better uh for the whole of the fight game as such you know with the ufc as well so little introduction I basically spend a lot of time driving around. <clears throat> you see things as you're driving around and you're spending a lot of time with yourself, so there's a lot of things going through your head and there's not really any outlet. There's nowhere, nobody to speak to. I'm on my own. Um, often I'll get to a site or something where I'm working and that's when I speak to people. Uh, but then all that chat is probably about work and not so much about some of the things that are going through my head as I'm driving to work. Some things that um, are coming into my head are, are from what I've heard in the podcast, and I'm just bouncing off that almost with myself. And I'm I'm thinking like the whole podcast thing. I love it. You know, I've I listen to a few different podcasts. Some are more structured than others. Um, and yeah, I really think that this could be something that you know we can we can get a bit of wind behind us and get get the wheels moving. Hopefully, get some listeners. Um, what I want to do eventually is have other people on the podcast with me uh, to discuss, you know, whatever matters it is, um, whether that just be a friend or family member for the time being, just to get me off the ground, and then eventually, who knows where we're going to go. Um, might not go anywhere. I'm saying this could be something that I play back and listen to myself in six months' time and laugh at and think, this is the podcast I put out, what got zero listeners. But I may look back and go, wow, this was the start of something actually quite interesting. You know, it's not about trying to get rich or famous or anything like that. Hence the reason why this is the Road Jogan experience. I'm not too bothered about uh, giving out my real name or anything like that. It's just, this is what we're here to do. We're here to just talk. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying the listen. Hoping that there's like-minded people out there um, that I'm speaking to that are enjoying this. Um so really just an introduction. Episode one could be pretty boring, um, but I just want you guys to know this is what I plan to do. I want to talk about funny things. I also want to talk about things that are a bit deeper, you know, the mind and how, um, you know, this day and age, social media and, and stuff affects the way people think and the way reality so, seems to be so bent at the minute. Because reality is not what you see uh, on your phone or on your tablet, which is what a lot of people think, what, how the kids are growing up. That's not reality. All these filters that people put on, that's not real, you know? Real is is what you see in the street when you're walking down the street, when you meet somebody for the first time, you're having a proper conversation with somebody, not texting, not Facebook, Twitter, any of that. And that's not real. And I'm not against it. I do use social media. But I just see the younger generation coming up and how they use it, and it's 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 crazy. I just think um, where where we're going to be in another ten years, like it's almost unsociable um, social media. Because I'll be honest, I've got I've got a daughter. She's thirteen years old. She's got a phone, and she'll go into a bedroom, and and, and her her socialising is being on the phone with her friends, but not talking to them. Um, messaging, whether it's some Snapchat or, or whatever it is. I remember when I was her age, I was out. I was outside, I was kicking ball, you know, so many things. And, and by the way, that's something else I, I wouldn't mind talking about, football. That's that's another another topic. Basically, this podcast is open to anything. I'm not 
saying this is I want to go down this lane or that lane, this avenue. I want to explore everything. I don't care. And if I get people on who want to talk about something way out there, uh, I'm willing to listen and explore that with them. And hopefully it'll be um, something fun and something educational at the same time. So, as I said, the basis of this is the fact that I drive around a lot. And sometimes um, I may have a long drive to where I'm working. And now today I am driving to Middlewich, which is about an hour's drive. So I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll quite be doing an hour's podcast. Probably happy if I can get away with talking for half an hour on episode one, seeing as it's just me and I'm just really trying to get this thing off the ground and, and just let you guys know what this is all about. But yeah, today I'm on my way to Middlewich and... We're on the 10th of October, and it's like 18 degrees, which is phenomenal. I can't believe it. I never remember it being so so warm at this time of year. And apparently, we're getting up to around 21, 22 degrees today as well. So, as you can imagine, this is quite a pleasurable drive. The sun is out. I've got my sunglasses on. AirPods are plugged in. Um, and I'm just recording this podcast, talking to you guys. Now, there may be the odd, um, the odd bit of road rage here and there. Who knows? Because... You don't know what's happening when you're driving on the road. There's a lot of idiots out there. Um, obviously not me. I'm an absolutely perfect driver. Professional. You never see me cut anybody up. I don't know, actually. At times, I've made mistakes. <laughs> we all do. But either way, I hope you um, I hope you guys are going to tune in. I hope this is going to get some sort of traction. And even if I've got 10 listeners and, and those 10 people that are listening you know, give me their thoughts, I, I can invite you guys to a podcast, so I can have you on, and we could go back and forth and talk about whatever it is that's bothering you in the world, or whatever it is that you're interested in, um, the Premier League, as I just said earlier, football, I'm a Manchester United fan, which has been quite hard this start of this season to be, um, we've literally just turned um, a resort around against Newcastle, we were 2-0 down, it took till 60-something minutes, I believe it was, maybe 70 minutes, I think, before we got a goal back. And we ended up winning that match 3-2. Now, that was very much needed, and there's a lot of talk about Jose Mourinho getting sacked. I'm a little bit on the fence with that. I'm not sure because, you know, since Ferguson left, we've had a few managers. Uh, bearing in mind, this isn't just the fact that we only just managed to turn it around from Newcastle, if you're not really into football. Apologise, but this is on the back of results such as losing to Brighton, um, losing to Derby County, who um, that was a cup match, uh, which fair play, Derby played actually really well, and uh, to rub salt in the wounds a bit for Mourinho, Lampard is now the Derby County manager. He used to play under Jose Mourinho, so yeah, that was a, I mean, that was a fun one for him, but. You know, I can't really say much about that because Derby played brilliant. But at the same time, you know, Manchester United are Manchester United. They're a league above Derby. You expect. Uh, and that was Old Trafford. That was Old Trafford. You know, so maybe a draw and get a replay. And then if Derby beat him at home, fair enough. But getting beat at Old Trafford by a championship side, you know, it's, it's hard to take. They only managed to get a draw with Wolves. Uh, lost to West Ham. It's been a bad, bad start. The worst start I can remember um, for Manchester United. And, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Like People are talking about Jose Mourinho, sack him. He's got to get sacked. But we had Louis van Gaal. We had David Moyes. You know, they didn't do great either. And I just think times have changed a little bit. Manchester United are not that team that they once were. I think that's the, the harsh reality is that Manchester United, they were a league above. Let's face it, we're a league above. Um, apart from the couple that would always be there to challenge, like, say, Arsenal. Um, Liverpool were never really that close. It was, it was a lot. Arsenal, obviously, Manchester City a lot more recently. But, you know, when you go back into the early years of the Premier League, there was no, they were pretty untouchable. Blackburn were challenging. Um, but look, Blackburn are nowhere now. Manchester United is still in that Premier League, but I think their time has come now where they are just a top six team. And yeah, maybe we'll see them win it again, but 
they're not going to be so dominant. Never, I don't believe that you know, that's going to happen again. Because when you think about it, really, how dominant Manchester United were, how long can that last? Nothing, nothing lasts forever. And what they managed to do in, in the number of years, the amount of times they won the Premier League, uh, 20 times. You know, that in, in itself, the odds of that is crazy, it's ridiculous. So, I think the problem with Manchester United fans, and I, and I don't like to um, sort of tarnish my own, but I think we expect too much. I'll probably say that about myself as well. That's why I say we. We expect too much. We expect Manchester United to win that Premier League no matter what. Now, you know, you have these transitions where big players, we lose big players and we've got to replace those players. We've had it over the years and, and we've managed to do it and we've been lucky, you know, when we lost Beckham was such a big player. You lose Ronaldo. You know, you, you can't, players like Ronaldo are, are pretty much irreplaceable because, basically, there's nobody out there like him. Um, you know, we, we lost Rooney and Rooney was... The staple at Manchester United for so many years now, and he, you know, top goal scorer, absolutely phenomenal. It worked his absolute backside off for the team. I mean, what more can you say about Wayne Rooney? And 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 at the end, he seemed to be not so good, and we're all thinking, well, you know, his legs are falling off a little bit. He's getting older, and then he goes to to to, to America, DC United, and plays. I don't know if it's DC United. I might have got that wrong, but wherever he went to. He's been playing out of his skin and he's like he's, he's, he's rejuvenated. And does that tell you something about Manchester United? Was he just tired of playing for this team? Was it the hierarchy? Was it the, the management and the, the even higher management, the board? That you know, is there something going on up there that's, that's causing some kind of bad feeling towards players? Low morale in the dressing room. I don't know. So it's speculation, but to just stand up and say, yeah, let's sack Mourinho. Well, there's only so much a manager can do. And let's face it, it's like he said in his, in his post-match interview recently, he's had more titles, more Premier League titles than the rest of the managers of the whole Premier League, the 19 other managers put together. He's had more titles. So that proves that he knows what he's doing. Let's face it. So there's only so much you can do. And, and I myself, I'm a, I'm a football coach. I'm a manager. I manage a young team. I manage an under-8s team. And we'll teach them them kids. And, and I know they're not professionals, but it's, it's, it's not totally different. We can teach them as much as we, we, we can. And we can, we can give them the structure and hope that they can play to that structure. And we, we put them out on the pitch. And what happens when they're out there is what happens. We, we can shout some guidance to them. And, you know, it doesn't always go our way. We're actually a pretty good team. <clears throat> um, we're in the Derbyshire Junior Football League. There's eight groups in that league, and we're in Group Two, Group One being the highest. So we're a strong team, competitive team, playing against some really, really strong teams, also in that group. Um, and it's, it's at this age, it's supposed to be about fun, but you can see it in their little faces. If they lose, they're not happy. You know, they don't like losing just as much as as we wouldn't like losing, or a professional wouldn't like losing. And as I say, it's it's morale. You've got to keep that morale up. You know, kids, it's probably a little bit easier to keep their morale up because they're not so, their minds have not been, you know, so made up by themselves. They're not adults yet. They don't think as much for themselves. So it can be a little bit easier. You know, you can joke around a little bit and you can get their morale up. You could probably give them a packet of sweets at the end of the game and that would get the morale up. But, the same kind of thing applies. So what I'm going back to saying is that we can only give them so much. We'll try and give them the tools. We'll give them the information and tell them exactly what we think they need to do out on that pitch. But when they step foot onto that pitch, it's then up to them. It's then up to the players. Uh, and it's not just up to them players. It's up to the other players on the other team and their tactics. So let's face it. You know, we could come up with what we think is an absolute flawless game plan. But the other team have come up with a game plan that perfectly counteracts our game plan. And if that's the case, then, you know, the players are now having to sort of think on their feet, change it up a little bit, or the manager's having to try and change it up, which is hard in-game. It's very hard, you know, to change something that you've been working on for so long and just change it up so quickly and you're making substitutions and you're trying to get that substitution to say, right, make sure... 
you play in this this area and now move him out wide and this and you're trying to change the game as it is as it's going on. It's not easy. Sometimes works and we've seen managers do stuff like that. That's amazing, but I think there's a lot more to it. And 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 a lot of what it comes down to is the fact that the teams that are in the Premier League now are far stronger than teams that were in the Premier League ten years ago. So when we're losing against teams like Brighton, if you go back ten, even fifteen years ago, when a, when a team like Swindon or Ipswich were in the Premier League, they just did not have the money, the power. And I know that the teams now don't have the money either. The lower league, the lower teams, the ones that have come up from the Championship and stuff like that, they don't have millions and millions. They can't buy your poor Pogba's and stuff. But I feel like they've got maybe better resources and better scouts, and they can bring some really good youth. Uh, into the team that can find players that are have a lot of potential and they can take them from different countries and, and, and they're using them. And um, what you find with Man United is they're trying to play by established players like your Paul Pogba's and put them into a team and then get them to play all together. Like, it reminds me a little bit of like the England team. If we go back to when we had the likes of Gerrard and Lampard and Beckham and all the superstars in the one England team because we had to put the superstars in there. They were all great for the clubs, but that doesn't mean that they can play as a team. You know, there's teams out there that have played so long together that aren't the best, but they're a unit and they play as a unit. They play for each other, not for themselves. They play for each other for their country or for their club. And I think that is the, that's a big difference. So you get these teams and they really want it. These teams like Brighton who beat Man United, they really wanted it. And as much as I think that, yeah, Manchester United shouldn't be losing against Brighton, Brighton are a damn good team and they're playing really well. And so are all the lower teams. Like Wolves have come up and Wolves were brilliant last season in the Championship where you think, oh, Championship, Premier League, different class altogether. But Wolves are holding their own and Wolves have got some great players some young players and, and the teams are now they're getting they're getting players on loan from decent clubs. You know, and I, I think it's so much more competitive now. So much more. You know, I see going back to the coaching that I do, I see kids that are seven year old, seven and eight year old kids that I can't believe the way they're hitting the ball. I can't believe the passes they're picking out, the control, the touch, the finishing. It's it's crazy to see. Now I know when I was Seven or eight, I was playing football, but I I was probably nowhere near as good as half of the players in in them leagues. Like I'm talking in the lower the lower sections of the groups down to group eight and stuff. I might have fit in a group eight team, but like the the quality of of, of kids I've got in my team, including my own, um, I'm I'm astounded by it. You know, and. I've been doing this now for about a year and a half and the progression is phenomenal. I can't believe how a young child, you know, the difference, the way they've got a ball at their feet and, and the way they think um, they know what they're doing. They're running around with the ball and, and what they, they tended to do at the beginning was all run around like, it reminded me of bees, like swarms of bees and they just all go together towards the ball. Now it's all about thinking about the space. Oh, my teammates get in there, I'll get into space. You know, I won't crowd him. The teammates looking up for that pass and they're making quality passes and quality decisions on their own. You know, we're giving them the advice and trying to push them to make them think that way. But when they're out there, like I said, they've got to they've got to implement that themselves. They've got to want to do that. And we all know, you know, we all want to score goals. When we're young, we all want that glory. But to see them play as a team and want to win for each other and want each other to do well. And at seven and eight years old, that quality is is phenomenal. And that's what I think makes the Premier League now so special. Is you know, the fact that it is so competitive. There's not a massive divide, there's not a huge gap between teams like Manchester United or even, you know, let's say Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, the ones who are actually performing really well, Tottenham, I'll have to throw in there. But there's not a massive, massive amount of class difference between them and the lower sides. You know, they're not going out there week in, week out and beating people 7-0. I remember when Manchester United smashed Ipswich like 9-0. You 
they're not doing that to anybody now. That doesn't happen anymore. Because the the difference in class isn't so much. Because even the kids that are coming up that are playing for these teams are really, really good. They're not world class yet, but they probably will be one day. And and, and they want it and they've got the fire, they've got the drive and they know. I think now you know if you want to be a footballer, you get to a certain age, it is so hard to be a footballer. So hard to get your foot in that door. You know, you get into the academies and stuff like that. I see a lot of kids do that. I've seen a, a guy that I went to school with was amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Nobody could touch him. Couldn't take the ball off him. He was very greedy, but, you know, then some kids are, and especially if their team is not so good and they're behind. So he'd get the ball and he could literally take on a whole team of players. Nobody could touch him, couldn't get the ball off him, and his finishing was phenomenal. He played for the Derby Academy. You know, all, all through the years that I knew him, he played for Derby Boys, and it was like, for me, he was going to be up there. He was definitely, 100%, going to be in that Derby team. And then for me, I thought he'd go further and further. He didn't even make it into the Derby team. He didn't even get into the under-18s, under-16s. I think that was where it stopped for him. And he was amazing. I don't know what went wrong there. But this is going back 15 years ago. 18 years ago, actually. When I was uh, when I left school. God, I feel old. But yeah, this is going back years now. And, and through this period, like the premiership is, is just become so much bigger. Football's always been massive, but football's never been as big as it is today. I love it that, you know, you see, I take my lad to watch Derby. I'm not a Derby fan, but he supports Derby. I take him to watch Derby. He's seven years old. My daughter wants to come and watch Derby. And the amount of women and, and girls that are coming to football matches now, you know, it's almost, you're looking around and I could see it very soon being 50-50. It's going to be 50% men, 50% women, or 50% boys, 50% girls, however you're going to look at it. But, I remember going to a match, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years ago when I was at school. Sorry, I've just, I've just, I've tried to make myself look younger again, haven't I? 18 years ago, I left school. So I'm talking when I was at school, maybe 19, 20 years ago. I remember when Derby County Stadium opened. That was about 20, 21 years ago. Yeah, we go to a match there. And, you know, 90%, 95% men, boys. You know, that's the way football is evolving. That's how big football is and that's how big the Premier League is and that's why you're getting this quality coming through and you get more and more people wanting it which makes it harder and harder to get into a team to, to, to be uh, you know a really solid part of a team and everybody wants to be the Ronaldo's everybody wants to be the Messi's you know so then they see the, the skills they see the thing the, the way that Ronaldo moves with the ball the way that Messi moves with the ball so I'm just going to take a sip of coffee because I'm not used to talking so much talking a lot in a short space of time but yeah sorry about that so yeah even now there's your messes as i was saying yeah the kids the kids they want to be like them so they're learning these moves they're learning these skills and then they're making their own skills up you know like i said i see kids i see kids are like 10 years older and stuff i went to watch uh um well it was it, it was a coaching it was a coaching um it wasn't a course but it was a day where uh, you would go down and you could see how the Derby and the in, and, and English England FA how they how they train their academy children, and I think this team kids were they're about nine year old, under tens, nine year old, and they were doing drills with them and they were doing some one on ones and stuff like that, and the things that they were doing, I couldn't believe my eyes. I could not believe my eyes. Uh, for their age, nine years old, I was absolutely astounded that they could do that sort of stuff and like I say I'm talking the Messi and Ronaldo tricks talking the stuff that they're watching on on YouTube and that's a massive thing now YouTube you know, the internet helps people progress that you know you can yourself you can go on the internet if you don't know how to do something I've done it myself with stuff with cars I've gone out ah, what's this light here oh god I don't know what this is I've got some sort of warning light on my car wonder if I can find out on the internet and it turns out there's a fix and then you go to a, a video on YouTube and it shows you how to fix it. You Google the part and it's about 12 quid or something. You think, you know what, I could do that myself. And I've actually managed it. Now, go back before YouTube, you would have never done that. You'd have gone to the garage and says, oh, what's up with this? And they'd have done it, they'd charge you, et cetera, et cetera. Now, 
One thing I don't agree with is taking too much business away from local businesses. I'm a small business myself. Um, certain things really annoy me. Now, like if it was something major or even actually something as simple as brake missing pads. I've got a friend who owns his own garage. And I know I'm going way off track now, but this is kind of where I want this podcast to be. We can go anywhere with it. But one thing I do want to promote is local business as well. This is really, for me, this is massive. Like, if you can promote your local businesses and our local businesses around us can help. And I don't want to go deep and start talking Brexit and stuff like that because I don't know enough about it. I don't know enough people who do know enough about it. I mean, really, does even Theresa May know? Does the government know enough? We don't know what will happen when Brexit comes. But all I do know is that we should be looking after each other. Like small businesses, they need you. They need they need their local people to stay alive. And we need them. Because without them, you get the big chains that take over and everything costs more, you know. And and the only person you're making rich is the guy at the top. The guy at the very top. And I'm not talking about making a small business owner rich either. But you're helping them. You're helping them achieve something they want to achieve, achieve their goal. They want a business for themselves. That's great. I think that's brilliant. I think everybody who wants to go self-employed wants to have their own business. If there's something that you can do, please, I absolutely, absolutely support and, and, and I would recommend to anybody you do it. I've done it myself. Um, I'm not rich from it. Not, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm making a living. Yeah, and that's what I want to do. But what it does for me is it gives me some flexibility. It allows me to have some family time. It allows me to say, yeah, I can take my daughter to school today. I'll take this morning. I dropped my daughter off and then I dropped my son off at school. And I managed to spend another hour after that with the wife. We walked around Costco's. Yeah, it's nothing major. But do you know what? In this day and age, right, when, when times move the way they move and people are living at such a fast paced rate, we need that. We need to, you know, we have families. We need to spend time with our families. We need to have time for ourselves. We need to be able to get to the gym if we like. That's another thing that I want to come on to. I've got so much to speak about, you know. Healthy mind, healthy body. We need to be healthy. I, I love going to the gym. I love I love boxing, and I really need to get myself back in the ring. You know, one of the things is, is, is the, the exercise part of it. It gives me, releases the endorphins I get absolute buzz off it and I feel I feel good in myself my mind feels well the other thing that the, the fighting side of it is like you when you get punched you know about it yeah and you know you're alive yeah and and at the same time it's not it's not about the you know I don't want to be any kind of professional fighters not what I'm looking at so I'm I'm fighting with other amateurs uh in in the gym yeah and, and we don't always spar to the head we spar to the body and stuff there's no condone too many punches to the head, but I do like boxing. Um, you you know you're alive. It gives you something. You know, it's that survival instinct. You know, you've got to move. You've got to... And like I say, it ties in with the exercise part of it. And I just like... I like the competition. You know, I like being... I don't want to hurt the guy. But I like tagging somebody. I like moving and finding that... that the space and finding angles and stuff like that. <clears throat> so I've kind of gone massively off track... Um, but yeah, just want to bring it back into the the local businesses. Like, there's a there's a place in Derby in town. Right? It's been going for years, and do you know what? I could probably get stuff cheaper from Screw Things. It's just little parts now and again that I need. It's a place called RF Pots, and uh, they've been going for years. And do you know what? If if I need any little small parts that they sell, I would rather go there and support them and keep them going. Keep them going for as long as you can. You know, because without them, I don't know, you look at what's happened to Matlins, and they're the major, and, and they put the prices, they make it more expensive for us anyway. So you're going to screw things and stuff. You're paying over the odds because they've got a big business to run, and they're trying to make big money. That guy at the top, he wants to be rich. Um, so, yeah, you're going to pay over the top for prices. And, and one thing that annoys me is, as part of a small business myself, you know, if I if I buy a product that I that I install, if I sell it, whatever I'm doing, I can get it at trade price. I get it at a better price than you. 
internet is kind of trying to kill that out a little bit, but I can probably still get it at a better price than you can get it on the internet. Now, one thing that's annoying is that if somebody buys something first from the internet and then calls me and says, can you, I bought this, can you install it? I'm a security engineer. I fit alarm systems. I'm also an audiovisual engineer. So I do music systems. I do, I do visual. I put screens up. If you buy something and you pay more than what it costs me to get it for, why not put that extra bit of money in my pocket? How do you know I might not have saved you £50 and made myself £50? You know, and that way I can guarantee that product. Like if I supply a product, a lot of the security equipment, the cameras that I install, I supply a five year guarantee. Yeah, you don't really get that in shops. So if you give me something that you've bought yourself and I fit it for you and it goes wrong, I cannot guarantee that. Yeah, and, and it's it's hassle. And then you've got to go back to them and et cetera, et cetera. And you may end up buying a kit from me anyway. And I just think little things like that, there's little the thought behind it. We need to keep these businesses. I love little, you know, butchers. Small, you see these butchers in villages that have been there for years. You know, I drive around, I see them. And I, do you know what? I'll stop. I'll stop and I'll think, I'm going to go in here. And it's, that's not even a local business to myself, but it is a local business within its own community, within its own right. And I'm sure they have customers. But do you know, like, you, there's, there's little gems out there. And you know you're getting that fresh, locally sourced meat, vegetables, fruits, stuff like that. You go into the big supermarket chains, you know, the stuff's getting sent over from Spain. It's been pre-packaged, preserved in salts and, and whatever else. Um, so you're not getting as good a quality. So you might even pay a little bit more at the butchers. But, one, you're putting the money in that guy's pocket. That guy's working hard to make a living. You know, as the places like that, they're owned by Walmart. Big American really... I really do um, I feel a lot you know, passionate about that. And, uh, you know, big corporations do kind of take the, 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 the pennies away from these um, smaller, smaller organisations, just like myself, small local business. Um, so that, that's something that, you know, I'll come back to um, as, as the, the podcast kind of evolves and, and goes on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as I was saying... Um, if, if maybe you've skipped our episode one uh, and the welcome episode, maybe you can go back to that and, and listen again before you come to this one. So I want to talk about something that I'm really interested in. And this is in no means by, you know, I don't want to rip off Joe Rogan. I love the guy. I love what he does. But we just have a lot of interest in common, and which is one of the reasons why I listen to him. And I believe maybe there might be people out there that have, them same sort of interests that might want to listen to a different podcast, get different angles, different takes. And I often talk about martial arts and I talk about boxing with friends. Um, my cousin in particular, he's massive in, into his boxing and it's just been a great year. 2018 has been fantastic for, for, for the fight fans. Um, as I say, the UFC, um, it's the 10th of October now. This weekend just gone, we saw Conor McGregor take on Khabib Nurmagomedov in the uh, UFC 229. Uh, loads to talk about there. Absolutely loads to talk about. Now, I know a lot of people are now into UFC just because of Conor McGregor, which is great. You know, the more the merrier. There's room for everybody. There's a lot of people in the, in the talk about casual boxing fans, casual MMA fans. Who cares? You know, everybody finds... Um, a way in through something or other and any in any way that that can be uh, made bigger and uh, and we can all enjoy it more why not you know if 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 MMA and boxing didn't have fans then there would be no MMA and boxing let's face it it's prize fighting yeah there'd be no money in it so that wouldn't happen people don't just fight um, for no reason you know they, they do it for the money yet yeah, there's a lot of people out there there's a lot of them fighting that want to be the best understandable but the money is helpful. You could, they wouldn't be able to compete and do that without the money. Let's face it, these guys are athletes. They go out there and they're fighting, but they are fighting to be the best, but they're having to do it at such a level. They can't have regular jobs. So they need the money. And that's why they need the fans. So I don't have no issues with anybody jumping on the bandwagon, if that's what you, you want to call it. 
Uh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. Get as many people in there as we can. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, I've been into MMA for quite a while. I used to do some um, Bush Kemper Jiu Jitsu myself, and then I went into a bit more mixed martial arts where I was doing some Thai boxing. Uh, and more recently, now I just I just box. Uh, I haven't got the energy for the jumping and kicking as much. I don't really. I ain't got the. F- I don't feel the ground game. Like I did some Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and it's just not for me. I just don't enjoy it so much. Um, but you know, I understand bits of it, uh, and and it, and that's why I like watching it. But I, I do like the stand up quite a bit more, which is one of the reasons why I mainly wanted Connor to win that fight, because for me it was like. He was just more of a rounded fighter. He, he can fight, and and I think he proved a lot of people wrong about his his uh, his wrestling, because I think he actually wrestled really well. He just isn't um, he isn't Khabib. He isn't, but who is? You know, he's the best at what he does. He's the best at the way he wrestles. He the guy's done that since he was a kid. I've watched the videos of him wrestling a bear, and and that you know that's a bear cub. It's a baby bear, but I mean that's a heavy. That's a big bear cub, you know, much bigger than a seven or eight year old Khabib that was wrestling him. And, you know, from the background that he's from, that's that's one of the reasons why I thought he might have the edge because I do feel like Connor, if he finds a way out, if, he, if, he, if the going gets tough, that he will quit. I don't think he needed to tap. Might be controversial, but I don't think he needed to tap. The, 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 it wasn't a chokehold. It wasn't locked on. I've done that, that move, the guillotine, many times myself and that wasn't in position that wasn't the arm wasn't under his under his chin it wasn't across the neck it was some sort of neck crank I don't know if it hurt McGregor enough for him to tap I just think it was a way out I think he was beaten I think he was tired and that was just a way out at that point and maybe he was thinking I'll come back next time and be better I just think he had too long out of the octagon and I think as much of a confident guy is there must have been pressure. There must have been a lot of nerves. And, and where he took it, it seemed to get so dark. I never really... I didn't like the feel of the fight from the first press conference. I, I got a really bad vibe off it. I don't know if anybody else did. I didn't like it. I did not like the, the feel of it. So I don't... You know, well done to Khabib. All the antics and stuff that went on after and, and the talk about Khabib being stripped and being banned and not getting a visa and stuff, I think that's over the top. I don't think Khabib should be stripped. He beat Conor fair and square. He got a bit emotional after he jumped into the crowd, but I don't think he did any sort of severe damage to anybody. Um, it was probably worse what happened with one of his guys, uh, Khabib's guys, jumping in the ring and hitting Conor from behind. <clears throat> Being a trained fighter, hitting him bare knuckle in the back of the head is pretty dangerous. Um, that's probably a bit worse, but I just don't think Khabib deserves... I think his emotions have got the better of him. And, of course, it probably would. Emotions have got the better of many people when they've fought Conor because he talks so much shit to him. You're going you're gonna to feel like that. As much as you think, um, no, nah, I'm not going to let it get to me, I suppose at the end of that fight, after he held it all back, after all the shit that he took, um, yeah, I think I think it just all came out. And he got probably a bit even more confident over the victory. He probably wasn't even satisfied with the with the, the, the beating that he put down on Conor, he probably felt, felt like he wanted to hurt him a bit more. Because I think a lot of the shots where he was stood up, there, he caught him with quite a few, but he could have probably hit him with more as well. I think Conor did well to escape some of them when he was hitting him with some big ground and pound. Um, cracked him with that overhand. That was that was a big shot. I was really surprised. But I think the, the quality in that, the actual thought behind that, that shot was the fact that Overhand coming over the top. The reason why you wouldn't see that against somebody like Khabib is because you're always looking for that takedown. You're looking for him to shoot for the legs. So you're looking for that and you don't see that punch coming from over the top. You'd see something coming straight, a normal jab or a hook. But the way he threw it over the top, he threw it pretty quick. It was a good shot and he cracked him. And that's probably that's probably one of the best shots anybody's ever hit Connor with in the UFC. Because usually he's really elusive and he gauges the distance really well. And that's also what made, made me think because Connor didn't have that much success. You know, there was a round, they say he won the third round. I'm not exactly sure. Probably did, but it wasn't brilliant. He didn't really catch Khabib with anything special. But I, I think that 
the two years out of the octagon uh, and all of the, you know, he's, he's such a star now. I think I think it just he wasn't the same. You know, when he was when he was smashing people, when he went through the, the featherweight division the way he did, um, he had the momentum behind him. He was fighting, you know, he's fighting often. He's probably constantly training. You know, he's had a kid. You've got to take a bit more time off. You soften up a little bit when you had a kid, I think. So there's a lot of factors there where I think, you know, maybe he should have had a tune-up fight. But someone like Conor McGregor is so big now, every fight he's got to have has got to be massive. He's got to be a, a Nate Diaz and a Floyd Mayweather. <clears throat> and that's part of the issue. It's, it's kind of a catch-22 for him. He doesn't want to go and fight somebody ranked 10th in, in the lightweight division. Um, and they've all got to be big fights for him. And I think that's a hard place for him as well. Uh, he wants that, that fight back with Khabib now. He wants that rematch, which I don't know if that's just going to be more of the same. I think I think now, you know, after having that fight, he could come back and he could be a bit better and he could give him more of a challenge. He may, may be able to find that range a bit better and, and know what's coming because as much as he trained for that wrestling, he didn't know. I don't think anybody really knows how good Khabib is until they get in there with him. I hear like Daniel Cormier and Luke Rockhold who train with him they're in the, in the same team, how, how they talk about how good Khabib is and, and their weight class is above him. You know, Rock holds a middleweight, DC's light heavyweight and heavyweight champion uh, and Khabib wrestles him, he's that good. So, you know, I think I think he just didn't know, he just didn't know. He's wrestled with some, some heavier guys but nobody on that skill level. You can't match that skill level because that's why he's a champion. There isn't really anybody that's out there that is like Khabib. He's a one-off. Um, but I do think he'll give him a better challenge if they go again. I don't know how, how he can play for another fight and how Khabib... Maybe the way is that Khabib will look at it like it's a big payday. I don't know if he's getting paid. I know they withheld his purse of $2 million for that fight. I don't know if he's going to get that or, or what, but maybe the money will be appealing to Khabib and he'll think, yeah, I'll smash him again. So we might get that rematch. Um, might be a better option for Conor. I mean, if he has to have these big fights, um, I think every fight now in the UFC is going to be tough for him. Um, he probably could have just come out the other end the way he did when he was uh, champ champ and, and and retired at that. Or even after the Floyd fight, you know, because that, that made him a lot of money. To come back to the UFC... Um, see what he's doing and, and he says he loves fighting and stuff like that but damn I mean I watched the, the Tony Ferguson fight and I've always been a fan of Tony Ferguson I think he's amazing he's such an athlete he's agile he's, his jiu-jitsu is just off the charts he's such a high level jiu-jitsu like if, I, he, he's he got to be a good fight for Khabib because I, I want to know how he reacts so a lot of people get taken down by Khabib and then and I seen it with Connor. It was like it was. It was at one point like, what do I do? It was almost like he was frozen, and he was hitting him with these like palm strikes that were just nothing. Like I probably could take them myself. Um, I don't. I don't think he knew what to do. And I think a lot of people get there and think, I don't know. I don't know. How do I get out of this? And you try and try, and you tie yourself out, and 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 eventually you know, it, it, it's imminent that he's gonna he's gonna get on top of you and he's gonna smash you, and that's gotta be a scary place. The thing with Tony Ferguson is he's comfortable fighting on his feet. He's comfortable fighting off of his back. He, he can, you know, if if Tony Ferguson's on his back, I've seen him open people up with elbows. I've seen him, you know, put that. He's he's done the most dash chokes. I think he's 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 done three. He's he's submitted somebody three times. I mean, three different people with a dash choke, which is a bit of an unusual move. We've seen uh, Tyron Woodley use it against um, uh, Darren Till. Um, because it, it, they don't see it coming. The way the way it is, and the way they lock it in, um, the person that's having it done to them don't doesn't actually realise that's coming. They think they're safe. Um, so Tony Ferguson's that high level. He can find he can find those openings. And I thought, now I'm not black belt Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but just from from fighting and watching fights for so many years, like I thought, I seen little openings where Khabib left himself open. I, I thought Connor could have could have used some jiu-jitsu on him. Um, but he just didn't seem to. 
And I don't know if he was just too busy thinking about getting back onto his feet uh, and, and striking with him. But I really think that Tony Ferguson is a man that could give him a lot of trouble. And then the other guy is um, um, Kevin Lee. I think Kevin Lee could really give Khabib a, a good wrestling match because his wrestling's amazing. And again, his stand-up game, like he's, he's good in so many areas, just like Tony is. The only difference is Tony, Tony does some weird moves. Like he uses his kind of breakdancing moves. And, and it's brilliant to watch. And and that's the that's what's amazing about MMA is that it's it's not like a, a fully polished sport. Nobody can turn up to MMA with a certain skill set. You could be a kickboxer, you can do karate, you can tie box, you can be amazing at jiu-jitsu, you can wrestling, so many different things, but it there's no one way. And like this um this kind of B boy breakdance stuff that, that um Tony's using. That that can be implemented. Different types of athletic stuff can be implemented into that. That's what's amazing about it, you know. And and it, and people pull it off. I really like Brian Ortega at the minute. His jiu-jitsu is so high, but he's the same. Like he just he does things what you don't expect. And that they're the people that are going to win the fight. So willing to go, you know, a little bit outside the box and and use unique moves that other people will will just not see coming. It's not something you can train for. And that's what I like about Tony, and that's why I like the Tony and Khabib fight. And and to be honest, who else deserves a title shot more? Tony Ferguson deserves that title shot. You now he's on a mad winning streak. I think it's something like 11, 11 wins. Now, don't quote me on that. But I know it's a lot, and I know he's smashing through. And the people that he's beating, the high-level people, I think someone like Conor McGregor, Going back to him and talking about him having to have these super fights, there's no easy fight for him now. Like, I see him getting beaten a lot by, or if he if he manages to to weather the storm, Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson, the Diaz trilogy fight, they're all hard fights, man. Now, how much beating do you need to take when you've done it? You've you've done it all. He's done enough. He's made a lot of money. You know, I'm willing to say that. The WWE will welcome him with open arms. And I might get backlash for that if anybody listens to this podcast. But I love Conor McGregor, don't get me wrong. And he's very skillful. He's a brilliant fighter, but he's took it to such a high level, to such fame and stardom. And he he went through the featherweight division. He won that title. He won that lightweight title. He went and fought one of the best boxers to ever live. And, yeah, it's unreal that, you know, he came back to the UFC to fight a monster like Khabib. And he still wants to come back. He still wants to do more. I don't think he needs the money. I really don't. Because he can go to somewhere. And I know he doesn't himself doesn't agree with the WWE and stuff. But everything, you know, the world is oyster. The films, he can get going, you know, into Hollywood. He can do anything he wants. And I just see it's been hard time for him and I think like yeah he probably doesn't want to leave on a on a loss like that um, but I don't want to you know for me I wouldn't want to spoil the legacy even more and get beat up in, in more and more fights you know we still remember the fight that he had with Diaz where he came back and he's managed to beat him after a loss we, we remember the way he lit Eddie Alvarez up to beat him in the lightweight we remember the way he knocked Jose Aldo out in 13 seconds to win the featherweight title. We still remember that. If he loses three, four more fights, we'll start forgetting that. So, you know, I love the sport. I love Conor McGregor. I love watching him fight. He's brilliant. His timing and everything. I just think there's a lot of hard fights out there and he's getting older and things are not getting easier because of him. He's a Conor McGregor's a brand now and he's got his whiskey line and all that kind of stuff. He's a brand, you know, and you can't do everything. And there's a lot of guys out there that, that want to be at the top and they're dedicating themselves, everything, they're putting everything into that. They're putting everything into winning that title and being the best in that sport. And I don't think Connor can give everything because of everything else that he's got going on. You know, he's burning the candle at both ends. And I think we see it with his performance and the way he gassed that for one round as well. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, I want to talk more about UFC and MMA. I don't watch enough like Bellator, 
some of the some of the British stuff. I got invited to the Bama event. Um, uh, this was going back last year, just just before Christmas. I had a Christmas party with my uh, with my football team, and I couldn't make it. And that, that Aaron Chalmers was on it. And, I, and at first, I thought, ah, oh, you know, reality TV guy, etc., etc. I just I just thought it was all a bit of a a bit of a joke. But do you know what? The guy's pretty good, and he's won. And I don't think he's lost yet. And he's won some fights where I thought, well, yeah, maybe they just give him an easy fight. And then he, and I, and he's won some uh, a fight after that where they put him up against somebody tougher. And then another one after that, a guy who's even more rated than. And I'm like, you know what? This guy might be for real. He's he's got bombs, man. He can hit. He can punch. He's dropping people. Um, so I'd like to explore a little bit more of that. I want to watch. I I can't wait to see like MVP, Michael Venom Page. I I love watching that guy. I want him in the UFC because what he does against fighters, he's knocking everybody out. He's beating everybody. Um, and he even and he, and he even had a little spelling boxing under David Hayes. He had a fight. And, and he was the same there. He was so elusive with his angles. A bit like Connor. And and he hit this guy with a punch that he just didn't see coming and knocked him out. And this guy was a boxer. Now, granted, he may not be any special boxer and one of the top. But, you know, he's a boxer. And he's probably trained in boxing longer than MVP. So... He's such a good fighter that I want to I want to see a bit more of. I, I, I really want to see him in the UFC or even Bellator or something like that again. Um, so, yeah, I want to pick up more and more as we go along talking about MMA. As I said in the first The Welcome podcast, this podcast is open to anything. I don't mind talking about anything. Um whether it's MMA and boxing and the things that interest me or the stuff that I don't know enough about but I want to hear about and I want to get people on and have conversations, you know, about the world in the world that we're living in. Um, as I say, I promote local business. I, I like I like to talk about mental health because there's a lot of that going around. So much stuff. Um, and, you know, tying it into boxing because I was still still wanting to stay on, on track with, with the fight world. Boxing's great at the minute. We've had a lot of good fights this year. We've uh, we've got the the Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. They've been having I don't know, I can't remember. They've had like 19 press conferences at the minute. Uh, it's getting a bit silly, but you know they're promoting that fight and they want to make some big cash. And I think that's going to be a good fight. Um, I'm not sure Tyson Fury can avoid him for 12 rounds. I, I think he thinks he can. And and the way he danced with Klitschko was brilliant. Uh, don't get me wrong, like, I never thought he'd beat Klitschko. Uh, I thought he was decent, but I never thought he was as good as he. So many people say about how quick he is for a heavyweight, you know. And if he can jab and move and, and dance around the bronze bomber, then fair play to the guy if he can pull that off. He's in line for a fight then with Joshua. Um, apparently Joshua was going to fight the winner. I think that's been confirmed. Joshua was going to fight the winner anyway. I think that was confirmed over the last couple of days. I'm just looking at this fight and thinking, I can't see Tyson Fury, though, making him miss for 12 rounds. 36 minutes, a long time. And all it takes with Deontay Wilder is that one shot. He's just got absolute thunder in his hands. He just hits you and you drop. You see some of the knockouts that he's done. 39 knockouts in 40 fights. You know, he... he I didn't, you know, I wasn't too sure about him because, you know, looking at the people on his record, but he can only beat the guys that are in front of him. And I think with American heavyweight boxing, it's not been so big, so people haven't had eyes on him. People have not been watching, you know, so that he's not been like, oh yeah, let's get him these big fights because he's just not there. And so now he's he's up there, he's getting up there. He's having this this fight's been promoted so massively. Then if he comes through this, it's going to be a big super fight with Joshua. I think he's he's so dangerous the way he hits. The way he hits, and, and it was like Tyson Fury saying, I've been I've been boxing since I was a child. He was a basketballer. Um, but he just needs to land one of them punches. And I know they're crazy punches and where, where they come from. But, you know, I listened to Teddy Atlas talking about it, and he's talking about leverage. And he's he's a guy that's got some leverage. He's got those long arms. There's a reason Tony Bellew, when he was talking about fighting the heavyweight, said that he doesn't want to fight Deontay Wilder. He said he wrapped his arms around him twice. His arms are that long. You know, if he cops Tyson Fury with one of those, especially at overhand, because I've seen that with Fury before, I think Chisora caught him with one and rocked him pretty bad. He'd been dropped by a cruiserweight. I think that was an overhand. Um, 
and you know he does get clipped in fights. Uh, whether he, you know he might he might get clipped in with some in some fights and and he carries on, but I think if he gets clipped and he gets clipped clean by um, by Deontay, that he's going down. And it and you tend to find that when a when a heavyweight goes down, especially with a hard punch like that, they don't get back up. I'm not sure that Fury is ready for it, and I really like Tyson Fury as well. Don't take anything away from that guy, and, and that that's what I'm tying into the the. the the mental health thing, like he came through a lot, and the amount of weight he put on, and to get himself back into the ring, and he's had a couple of little dust off fights, which fair enough, a lot of people are giving him a, a load of shit about that, but why not? Why would you want to come straight in and fight a big fight and and get knocked out? And you know, you, you don't let him have those those. Let him get rid of that ring rust. Let him find a bit of confidence, and and it's only two little fights that he had, and now he's going straight in for Deontay. So why not? I don't, I don't see nothing wrong with that. And and like I say, in the face of adversity, he's come through it. And if he can beat Deontay Wilder, then I think I believe in that guy. I think if he beats Deontay Wilder, he beats Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is just more of a classic boxer. And he probably could read his punches a little bit better than he would Wilder because the way Wilder throws those crazy shots from, you know, wherever, windmilling and stuff like that. But they catch people. And when he catch him, they go down, they go sleep. So, interesting fight. Looking forward to that one. Big fights coming up. So many big fights. Big fights that have gone. I was surprised. I'd, I didn't think Callum Smith was going to beat George Groves. But do you know what? That guy fought a brilliant fight. Brilliant game plan. And I felt sorry for Groves. Really sorry for him because what a gutsy guy. I mean, he, he had to come back from those two defeats and two knockouts against Carl Frotch, the second one being brutal as well. And, you know, you see people get up there and they're in line for title fights and then they lose and then and then they've got to rebuild all that. And he did. And he rebuilt it and he won the title. And he did so well, he beat Chris Eubank. And a lot of people think, you know, Eubank is something special. And he, and he beat him uh, really well. Good game plan, just a lot of experience on his side. And I really thought he was winning that... Um, Muhammad Ali trophy, but it wasn't to be for him, and I felt sorry for him. No, fair play though to, to Callum Smith for winning it. What a competitor! I think he's really big for that division. I think he needs to go up a division, and that's probably what it was in the end. Overwhelming, but that, when he caught him with that hook, it was just such a big, powerful hook that you know George Groves just couldn't handle that. Um, but he got through some shit. He came through the fire to get into that fight through that shoulder injury that he had from the from the Eubank fight. So, you know, I felt, you know, when I listened to the guy's interview at the end, I felt for the guy. <clears throat> and I hope he does take some time and, you know, spend some time with his family because he's been out there, you know, slugging away and, and having fucking big fights, brutal fights, fighting top people, not shying away from anything. He deserves it. And if he's got enough money and, and there's nothing, you know, great for him to take out of there, I don't want him to start over again and try and rebuild all that. Maybe he'd retire, be a trainer or something, because the guy is fantastic. He's a great boxer. And, uh, you know, we've come off the back of the Triple G and Canelo 2 fight. Now, that one, what can I say? I mean, that was a close fight. I think, if anything, if you're going to give anything, you've got to give a draw. I don't think Triple G deserved to lose. Really, really don't. feel bad for the guy. Um... He got a draw the first time when when I when I thought you know he won that definitely won that and then I, and I kind of watched that first fight the second fight uh, and I was doing I was doing that sort of point system in my head and I had him at like seven seven rounds to five and that was me being quite lenient trying to give you know a bit because Canelo was landing some good body shots and some good hooks but it wasn't enough and you could see um, Triple G seemed to find more of a rhythm with the you know. More classic fighting behind the jab and stuff. He didn't land as many effective shots, which is always an argument like, oh yeah, um, Canelo landed more, more kind of damaging shots, but there wasn't that many more that I think it outweighed the amount of jabs that were landed by Triple G. And I think that's the thing. I think that's the big thing. It was uh, it's controversial, man. And, and and Billy Joe Saunders even said it before that fight. It made a lot of sense. He, he said that Triple G 
has to knock Canelo out to win that fight. And I think that's always going to be the case. And I don't think a trilogy fight is going to be any easier because he's just getting older. You know, he's taking a lot of a lot of shots. Your chin diminishes after the years. Maybe he'll end up getting himself knocked out as, as much as a granite chin he is. I just don't think he's going to get any easier. And I don't think he's going to get any more powerful. And, and Canelo's already took his best shots. So what, what more can he give, you know? It's, it's a hard one, and I feel sorry for that guy as well. But what what a legend. I mean, absolute great fighter. Powerful, powerful man. Chin of steel. And he's, and he's that background again, you know, from that uh, Kazakhstan. Same sort of like the Dagestan, the, the same mentality as, as your, your Khabibs that come up from that that hard hardship, that background. They didn't probably have much when they was young and... And they've worked their asses off all their life to get to where they want to be. So, so for him to lose a fight like that of that magnitude, I can understand how how gutting that would feel for him. Um, and I and I do I feel I feel like he was he was he was robbed. Um, but pff, he's probably got a payday out of it, and he might get the rematch. Who knows? Um, I just don't think he's going to be. You know, any different. I don't, I don't see anything changing. Um, it's always hard. That's the worst thing for a fight. I always think about their situation. It's like, when do you stop? Floyd Mayweather is one of a very, very few people that come out of it on top. And he's come out of it. I think he's the most unscathed. He, you know, how, how good he was at um, making people miss. His defence was so good. He came out of, out of the boxing game with... Just he, he's just one of a kind. No, nobody else goes into that game and comes out like that. And I just think you know because everybody always wants that one more fight. And then when they, if they get beat, it's like oh I can't go out on a loss. I've got to go out on a win. And until eventually they realise that it's not there anymore. And it's it's a hard one, man. When you've been doing that all your life and that's all you know. And I've seen it. You know how it you know, what it's done to people after they have left the game and Ricky Hatton and stuff and that. You know, I loved Ricky Hatton. I loved that. It was horrible watching him when he got knocked out by Floyd Mayweather and then Manny Pacquiao. But look what he did to him. It sent him into a depression and he put on all that weight. And it was horrible, but, you know, you know, thank God that he found his, his way back and now he's doing well as a trainer. Um, but yeah, it's a horrible, horrible way to, you know, it was a catch-22. Where'd you go? Where'd you go from there? Uh, go to Ronda Rousey route, I'll say. Join the WWE. You know you ain't getting hurt and you're getting paid well. So, yeah, I'm almost in Middlewich now, which is where I said I was going to be. So I've been done this podcast over the two uh, podcasts now, probably an hour's worth or more, more than an hour. Wow. I didn't think when I first started this podcast that episode one, me just talking on my own and kind of going through some stuff, about what what I would be talking about going forward. I didn't think that I'd be able to just ramble on for an hour, but maybe I'm a bit more of a talker than I realised. <laughs> um, I hope, I really hope you guys enjoyed this. I also hope um, that you are listening to this because I'm saying it like there's somebody already listening. For all I know, this may not take off. I might not get one single listener. Um, I really hope I do because it's been good. Um, I feel like it's an outlet. I can talk about things and hopefully I can get something back. I want to get people on this podcast with me. I want to go back and forth. I want to talk about anything social. I want to talk about fighting. I want to talk everything, everything, anything you want to talk about. If you're listening to this now, I'm talking to you. You could give me a, send me an email. Right, so I'll put my email address out there. Um, you, you can you can leave me um, a review of the podcast on any of the sites that you're listening to it through. Um, drop me your details um, or let me know that you, you want to come on and I'll get in touch with you in whichever way I'll sort it out. It's all new to me still, but I want people on here and I want to discuss things. And uh, We'll organise times and, and uh, days where we can do it. Eventually, I want people probably next to me so we can talk. But yeah, ideally we can link up. I've got the functionality to be able to do that. Um, Thank you for listening. I really hope we can do more and this picks up and we get a bit of uh, traction. Uh, I'm sure maybe this one wasn't so great, but I'm sure it'll get better as we go along. Uh, 
Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. Uh, take care. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I appreciate all your support and kind words. Um, I never imagined that the podcast would gain the amount of downloads in a short space of time that it has. Now, for 2019, I want to go bigger and better. I want to focus time and energy into the podcast and really put out some great content. I'm looking to invest in some better recording equipment and pull in some interesting and inspirational guests with amazing stories. To achieve this, I've set up a PayPal Me link, which you can find in the bio. The link is paypal.me forward slash podcast. I'd rather do this than um, put advertisements and sponsorships into the podcast and just kind of bog it down and, and make you guys have to listen to stuff that you're not really wanting to listen to. So if you're a fan of the show and you want to show support, then please feel free to give as little or as much as you'd like. Once again, I really appreciate your support. It's been amazing. Thank you.